Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and it's time for the WBEZ Weekly News Recap. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the week, the first week of the new year. And already, there's a lot of big stories to discuss. Gun control advocates traveled to Springfield. Busloads of people are getting ready to head to the state capitol this week. They want to urge lawmakers to take action on a bill that would ban semi-automatic weapons and high-capacity magazines. Mayor Lightfoot went on the offensive in her race for a second term. Mayor Lori Lightfoot for the first time going on the attack in her re-election fight with an animated TV ad targeting Congressman Chuy Garcia on multiple fronts. And it was drama in the House of Representatives. No member-elect having received a majority of the votes cast, the speaker has not been elected. Here to break down those stories and more, we have WBEZ politics editor Tony Arnold, Chicago Tribune Cook County and Chicago government reporter A.D. Quigg, and Daily Line City Hall reporter Aaron Haggerty. Let's start on Capitol Hill, where House Republicans still hadn't come to a consensus on a speaker by the time of our panel. A.D., what is your reaction to this ongoing saga? I have, I don't want to say enjoyed following this from afar at from like a historical perspective, it's so interesting to watch this play out. This is like a hundred year occurrence. And with when they surpassed the ninth vote, it became like a hundred and fifty year or something crazy occurrence. Um obviously Democrats have enjoyed the chaos. Um bringing popcorn, recreating some of our favorite gifs of all time. <laughs> um but it's it's difficult to watch too because there's stuff that Congress can and should be working on that they're not because they just can't reach resolution on this. Your reaction, Tony? Yeah, I, I'm I'm much like the rest of the country. I can't I can't stop and I won't stop um, <laughs> watching this thing. It's it's not even my job. It's like I have enough to watch between yeah. City Hall and Springfield and County Board, and I don't usually watch Congress. And I haven't watched more as much C-SPAN as I have. <laughs> The, this week in the last couple of days reading, reading 435 names and i'm just like oh what's this one you know what be? i learned is that um until they choose a speaker c-span can kind of go rogue because once the speaker is sat they have to focus only on the person who is speaking but now they can show us all the crowd shots and kind of the side action ah. so i'm kind of rooting for this to continue because c-span is going wild speaking yeah. of side action two democrats as you, you mentioned uh, ad congresswoman jan Schakowsky and robin kelly they brought buckets of popcorn of course we are talking about garrett's they brought it to the House floor. Very Chicago, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I just find like the numbers fun as well. They brought like two buckets containing yes. a combined like 120 cups of popcorn. Which they said was 149 like 149 people. BS. Like, I, 
I can eat way know. more popcorn than that yeah. single serving. Right. Or, so I'm wondering. Dixie cups, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how it was determined who gets how much popcorn. Can you come back for seconds? <laughs> it's, like, it's determined on seniority right. and committee assignment. You know, when, yeah. when you've got a bucket of Garrett's, it's not going to last long, right? Their, their house colleagues devoured the buckets within hours. So a, a nice little tip for the future. Always bring twice as much as you think you're going to need when it comes to popcorn. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. What is your Garrett's mm-hmm. order, Tony? Chicago mix. Yeah. Mm. Yep. What about you, Eddie? Oh, yeah. Chicago mix. Can't go wrong. Same. Love the combination. Yep. I, I'll just say the same thing. <laughs> Chicago <Yep>. mix. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Tony, one of the uh, GOP holdouts here is uh, Mary Miller of Illinois. Can you talk about what's going on there? Uh, I wish I could, but she won't answer questions about why she's doing what she's doing, um, despite multiple days of that. And that's not uncharacteristic for her. She doesn't uh, respond to questions from the press um, um, almost ever. Uh, and that's so this has been routine for her in the last two years that she's been in this office. Uh, but Mary Miller, yeah, she's from um, downstate Illinois, central Illinois, uh, defeated Rodney Davis in the primary in last year's uh, primary election uh, due to redistricting. They were they were uh, put up against each other. And well, I'm actually hearing now, Tony, she switched her vote to McCarthy. I, that's right. On this latest told. ballot underway. Um, it does not appear that it's enough. There's There's been a, several people who have flipped. She is one of them, but it doesn't look like – flipped in favor of, of McCarthy, but it doesn't look like it's enough. I guess they're still do, doing the roll call right now. Yeah. Um, but, I, again, she hasn't explained what she wants, why she wants it, what she's doing, what caused her to flip. Um, and so we're left to speculate um, – which I'm not going to do too much of, uh, as to her reasoning and what, she, what what it is that she's doing. Yeah. The the delay in choosing a House Speaker, it means that hundreds of representatives cannot be sworn in. That includes freshman Congresswoman Delia Ramirez, who represents Illinois' 3rd District. She, like other elected officials, they had their families flown out to see them take the oath of office, and that still has not happened. Do you expect that we will finally get a Speaker today, Aaron? I hope so. I mean, but also... I mean, yeah, I, for so that things can move on. I hope so. Um, but but they did need like, I think, 15, maybe more than that people to switch their vote. So that seems like that's going to be kind of a difficult thing to to master. But, um, you know, you mentioned families coming out and then we got to see, you know, video of like people's children on the floor and people changing diapers like while this is all going on. And another thing that was brought up, I think on, on someone brought it up on Twitter, like you choose a special outfit for that day. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be really angry if like I have to keep coming up with my like, <laughs> you know, swearing in outfit that's going to be in all these photos. I wore so. suffragette white for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope so. I hope I hope this moves forward. But the unfettered, unfettered uh, kind of access to what's going on via mm-hmm. C-SPAN is is fun. It is addictive. What, what do you think, A.D.? Is this House Speaker drama, is it keeping her and the other freshmen from just enjoying their first day in Congress? Or is this maybe just a crash course in political shenanigans that they're going to have to deal with in Washington? I think I think it can be both. And and the argument I've heard a lot is um, this is what the next couple of years are going to look like yeah. with the Republican majority with the Republican Party as divided as it is. And a lot of the pushback from the minority group that is not supporting Kevin McCarthy, folks have argued, is that they don't want government to work. So there might be other instances, not where everything is kind of ground to a halt, but things are a lot more um, drawn out and contentious than they ordinarily would be if there was more party unity. So I think it's both 
um, a good crash course in how government works and doesn't. Yeah. And also um, an annoying reason to have to change your outfit and book additional hotel stays. It for really your is. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. You're tuned into our weekly news recap where we bring you context and analysis to the biggest local and state stories of the week. Our panel today includes WBEZ's Tony Arnold, Aaron Hegarty from the Daily Line, and A.D. Quigg from the Chicago Tribune. And remember that you can watch us do this weekly news recap live right now on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages. Also, you can check out the video live stream on Reset's Facebook page if you're there. All right, let's leave D.C. and take our popcorn with us and bring it closer to home, gang. Illinois lawmakers are back in Springfield this week for a short lame duck session. They came back with a couple of top issues in mind. What are those, Tony? Uh, one is, is banning assault weapons. Mm-hmm. We're on the just past the six-month anniversary of the uh, mass shooting in Highland Park uh, from the July 4th parade. Um, not to mention just um, the gun violence that has plagued Chicago and, and other large cities around the state. Um, and so last night, late last night, um, I got to watch the whole House floor debate, um, all 90 minutes of it at around midnight. Lucky you. Um, lucky me. About the, the – they ultimately voted to pass uh, – the House voted to pass an assault weapons ban. The Senate, it does not appear, will be taking that up today. So that's still left – up in the air, and they have until Inauguration Day on Wednesday to do something on this. Um, the, and then the other thing is uh, there was some added protections for out-of-state doctors or uh, patients who get abortions or, or give do the procedure of an abortion so that they could not be penalized in the state of Illinois uh, for performing an abortion here or receiving an abortion here if the state that which, from which they come from um, wishes to penalize them in some yeah. way. Well, earlier this week, we had State Representative Bob Morgan on the show. He is the sponsor of that bill banning assault weapons. Here's what he had to say. There are a number of elements here uh, that we introduced um, just over a month and a half ago uh, that that provides for a lot of different uh, changes to our our gun laws. Um, I was put in charge right after the shooting of the House Firearm Safety and Reform Working Group. Uh, So even though that's kind of wordy, it it is what it sounds like. We're, We're trying to address gun laws and how they relate to gun violence in Illinois. With a supermajority in Springfield, would you say that this is a slam dunk for Democrats? No, I would not. Um, and the roll call last night shows just how close this is. They need 60 votes. They got 64 last night. One of them was a Republican. Um, and so it, it's it's going to be largely Democrats. But um, and, and there were some last minute changes last mm-hmm. night. They took out um, the age requirement about 20, being 21 years old. Uh, to help get this passed. There was an issue about whether uh, retired police officers could have uh, basically these types of guns. Yeah. And that got taken out. So uh, there's st- this, and with the Senate not taking this up today, I would say that this is not a slam dunk in the next couple of days. Um, it might proceed on throughout the rest of the year. I think there might be some version of this that passes in this year, was it, whether it's in the next week or not. And, and we're here next week. Talking about what passed or didn't um, is another matter, but uh, I, I think that eventually there would be some version of this that could go. Yeah. But um, right now it's because what they've done, and, and and part of it is it's not just a ban on assault weapons. This bill, it, it identifies about 50, dozen, a few dozen uh, specific guns that are going to be forbidden from being sold or owned in, in Illinois. But then there's other measures about um, 
banning how many how many magazine or how many bullets can be in a magazine. Right. Um, there's issues about banning those carrying more than twelve rounds. Ba- yeah. yeah. Um, this the switches that that turn basically a semi-automatic gun into an automatic gun and let you fire twenty bullets in one second. Uh, there's things like that that are in this as well. Uh, and and so there was some debate last night about well how much of this should how much things beyond just the for the forbidding some of these guns from being sold in Illinois yeah. should there be in this thing. So if it doesn't go in the next few days, there might be some discussions about how much more do we want to add on to this. And as we mentioned, that other issue that lawmakers are focusing on is, is abortion. Illinois already got many abortion protections on the books. What else are lawmakers considering? Well, part of that is uh, this is another measure that was controversial last night. It passed. It did pass the House again. Senate still needs to get Senate approval before it gets to the governor's desk. Um, and in this, that's it's not just um, in this one particular bill. They added other things besides just these protections for for um, medical providers or patients who who have an abortion in Illinois. There's also things about uh, having insurance cover medication for gender affirming care. Uh, or having insurance cover medication for HIV treatment, um, clarifying who can provide a, the provi- procedure mm-hmm. of, of perform the procedure of, of doing an abortion, as opposed to uh, medicine that does that. Uh, and so there's there's things beyond that that um, again were kind of the subject of of discussion. I don't know if I'd call it a debate, but discussion. Uh, it gives you a little bit of insight into what's been going on outside of the chambers um, and and whether this, again, goes in the next four days versus the next four months, um, I'm not sure which. I imagine there will be some version of this that, yeah. that does go with Democrats having supermajority and a governor that wants these things. Um, that, that can go a long way. It's just a matter of figuring out uh, what exactly is in this. Yeah. Well, you know, something else, when the new General Assembly is sworn in next week in Springfield, the state is actually going to get its first two uh, lawmakers from Gen Z, right? Both mm-hmm. of them just being 23 years old. You covered Springfield for over a decade, Tony. So I'm wondering if you can remember during any period of time, other lawmakers that were that young. I remember I don't know, 23. You have to be 21 to be in the legislature. So there's not much wiggle room there. I, I can, Avery Bourne was I can one. remember being young. And being young, uh, ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I can remember someone being younger than me being, I think, I think, uh, uh, appointed to the position. Okay. And I was thinking, ah, oh, man, I'm not that old, am I? Um, <laughs> well, eighty, Aaron, what do we think? Uh, should we expect a new approach from this new generation? Do you think? I think it'll be interesting. I think they'll bring perspectives that, like, maybe current lawmakers, whether you know, they're in their mid 30s or yeah. you know, 50, 60, have never thought about. I think it's kind of exciting to see younger people um, not just getting appointed, but being elected. And the fact that they're, yeah, they're both 23, but like one is a Democrat from um, the Chicago suburbs and she's Muslim and she wears a hijab. And the other is from Dixon and he's a, like a white Christian man. So, um, Nabila Saeed and Brad Fritz. Yeah, yeah. I, and you guys are seeing this. I think it's at city council too, totally. where where it's it's there's in in local government here in Illinois and in Chicago. There's been a, a changing of the guard, especially with Michael Madigan being gone. He's 80 years old now. It's Chris Welsh who's the House Speaker. He's yeah. in his 50s. Don Harmon in his 50s and leading the Senate 
as opposed to um, you know John Cullerton or Emil Jones and and the in the in the city council you're seeing the same thing the people who are around for daily and rom are, are have been mm-hmm. either aging out or elected out mm-hmm. or just doesn't want to be a part of all this fight that's going on and you're seeing young people come in and say well I'll do it then well, yeah, maybe Congress had its it. first Gen Z member too right that's right. Um, and Cook County Board also had a very young uh, young person just elected, uh, Anthony Quezada. And what is interesting and different in a lot of the cases for like young progressives is they are coming from a different organizing background. They are not a member of like the old machine who was handpicked and told this is how you do things and you sit on the back bench and wait until it's your turn to do something big. Um, these two people who were elected to Springfield were out knocking like 10,000, 20,000 doors on their own, had very little money. Uh, to begin with, uh, I believe Nabila eventually got a bunch of support from the Democratic caucus. I think they spent millions in that race because they flipped the seat. Yeah. Um, but that kind of energy um, and self-guidance that you get from going out and knocking doors and hearing from constituents yourself kind of brings a different perspective than it would if you were a hand-picked or like kind of caucus-supported person. So I think they are going to bring a different and interesting perspective and also just like different um, – Different generations have different ways of doing politics and interacting with other people. Totally. So yeah. I'll be interested to see how they work with the old guard. Mm-hmm. Well, since we've got such a great panel of political journalists with us this week, I wanted to get your take on former Republican congressman from Illinois, Adam Kinzinger. Right? He broke with his party over President Trump's actions on January 6th. He resigned after six terms, as we know. His new job is a CNN political analyst. Are you surprised, Tony? No, um, I'm not surprised that that he's going to CNN. Um, he hasn't been talking to the local press for a while. A while now, despite um, our repeated asks to talk to him, uh, and so uh, he's he's had his eye on on national on the national media for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I'm not surprised that that's where he's landed. Any thoughts, Aaron or Ad? I think it'll be interesting to see how he stays involved and stays, you know, or resumes. Talking to yeah. people or having his voice heard. I haven't talked to Adam Kinzinger, I think, since November of 2021. Oh. And he yeah. was... Um, toying with a statewide run. Toying with a statewide run, but also extremely um, calm and relieved that he was not running for the House anymore. Because I think he was frustrated all the time. Felt like, this is not my party anymore. We're not getting the stuff done that I would like to. And also, I think, likes talking to the media and being an analyst. Mm-hmm. So CNN seems like a very natural fit. And seems then he'll like also have his his kind of PAC political organization that has been making endorsements and helping kind of more moderate, traditional Republicans yeah. succeed. Well, gang, here's an update. The latest vote for a House speaker just wrapped. Representative Kevin McCarthy's 12th bid has failed again. But 14 did switch their votes. So there are only a handful of holdouts at this point. So how how many does he need now, we think? Let's see. How many does he need? I'm not sure. I feel like it's like four or five more. Maybe four or five. Still, that's like... That's, that's a, lot. a lot. Now, in a moment, we're going to get into the latest in the Chicago mayor's race. The election's next month, February 28th. But first, A.D., you reported yesterday that a watchdog found more PPP loan fraud among Cook County employees. Tell us about that. Yes. So the Office of the Independent Inspector General, which is the watchdog for Cook County offices, came out with a quarterly report yesterday, essentially singling out four more Cook County employees for 
payroll protection program fraud. Uh, basically, each of these uh, county employees applied for a PPP loan fraudulently, either by saying they had a side business that made more money or they had a side business that didn't actually exist. Um, in some cases, these people were eligible to be fired because they did not tell the county that they had an outside gig. Um, in other times, it was like you were applying for these PPP loans on a county laptop, on county work time, or this is conduct unbecoming. So you applying for this loan that you don't deserve um, makes the rest of the county look bad. And a lot of these people are in like sensitive mm. positions where they should know better. So it's it's ethically uh, ethically tricky, too. So this is basically the third round of reporting that um, the IG's office has done seeking this stuff out. Um, and there is likely more to come. Um, and this is this is disappointing from government folks who know that the PPP loans were supposed to be to keep struggling businesses alive during the pandemic and not for folks to enrich themselves. And in some of these cases, they were spending their PPP money on vacations or Gucci clothes or car payments or paying wow. down credit card debt. When you hear stories like this, Tony, what goes through your mind? Oh, it's just what AD said. It's so frustrating. I mean, it's it's just like this. You keep hearing these these stories of people who I think just either thought they wouldn't get caught or thought they'd get away with it. Or mm-hmm. I don't know what they were thinking. But um, yeah, it's, it's just frustrating to, to keep hearing them uh, come back and come back and come back. For- well, on the scale of fraud, PPP fraud and other like COVID relief fraud nationally is gigantic. Like it, some people have estimated at like 65 to 80 billion dollars essentially being stolen from this program. And the enforcement of the fraud has not been particularly strong. The Justice mm-hmm. Department, I think, has only taken 192 folks to court for PPP fraud, and they really go after the big fish who are taking kind of multi-billion dollar payouts. So catching this, like, 20000 here, 25000 there is important, um, but, like, probably not getting caught and prosecuted uh, in the long run. All right, then let's talk about the mayor's race. Things are starting to heat up. TV ads are running accusations are flying. Aaron, let me put you on the spot. There's there's about 50 some odd days until Election Day, and you've got your eye on those petition challenges. So tell us, who is still in this race? So with the petition challenges, um, so if you're not familiar, like basically you submit your petitions to get on the ballot and anyone within that jurisdiction that you're running in can challenge your petitions. And that's kind of, you know, thought of to be Uh, as how you hold people accountable for the signatures they're collecting. Um, So I've kind of been watching these electoral board meetings where decisions are made on who, you know, actually doesn't have enough valid signatures to stay on the ballot and who who does. Um, So one thing I'm really watching is these, um, for the first time ever, the city will, or, you know, Chicago voters will send representatives from each Chicago police district to represent them on this kind of civilian oversight Um, Council of the Police Department. Um, Some people who are running for these positions decided to run as slates, which means they collected, you know, together the same signatures and filed them. Um, But I'm waiting to see if um, a decision, I mean, a a decision will be made at some point, I'm guessing next week, on whether they actually can submit those petitions to run um, as a slate. And that'll be, you know, precedent setting because this hasn't come up um, for nonpartisan elections in Chicago before. But it is kind of like... Interesting. You know, and it happens like... These petition challenges happen like literally in the basement of a building. Yeah. Like in the Pedway yeah. near a subway. And like, 
Like a Subway sandwich <laughs> shop, not like... Yes, yeah, wow. Subway sandwich, like wafting, wafting into the room. <laughs> and yeah, this is the part of like local government that I enjoy observing. Um, does it need to be this way? So, I don't know. So but. how many do we still have? Is it 10? Nine? For the mayoral yeah. race? Yeah. So um, I, later today, I think a decision will be made that Frederick Collins will officially not be on the ballot. Okay. Um, that's kind of... And then we'll have nine. And we'll have nine. Yes. yes. We'll have so nine. that'll be Lori Lightfoot, Cherie Garcia, Paul Vallis, Jamal Green, Cam Buckner, Brandon Johnson, Alderman Sophia King, Willie Wilson, and Rod Sawyer. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Thanks, producers, for the cheat sheet. Um, the top contenders at this point? Um, you know, I think it's safe to say that probably Chewy Garcia has popularity. He has good name recognition. Um, the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, um, she also has, you know, name recognition. And I, I think to count her out um, would be a disservice. But yeah. I'm, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, how mayoral debates, which I'm guessing they're going to be a lot more coming up in the next yeah. you know, 50 some days, yeah. how that affects um, the rankings. what people think about these candidates yeah. while they're standing or sitting, you know, up on a stage side by side answering questions for people to listen to. Chewy, Lori, Willie, Vallis is the the kind of top, the top four, four list I've heard over and over from pollsters. But as uh, my colleagues Greg Greg Pratt and Allison wrote a, a few days ago, yeah. at this point in the race, uh, Lori Lightfoot was polling at like 3% in 2019. Right. So do you trust the polls then, given that? <sighs> That's a big question. <laughs> um, poll accuracy has been the story du jour in the political world for like the past decade? What mm -hmm. can we trust? Who is actually responding to polls? Um, I covered a couple county board races where I was initially told that um, a candidate, Maggie Trevor, was going to win by 20 points. She eked it out by like less than 1%. Um, I would, I, I'm going to defer to Tony on what kinds of polls are best to trust and what you should be looking for, because we're going to see a bunch of polls from a bunch of different firms and mm -hmm. Tony has been in politics for a long time and can tell you the kind of Tony? things that you should be reading and looking out for. Look, I, look, there was – Dujour is right. It, it, um, it's because the, there was just a, a, a poll, a, a poll in quotes, a survey yesterday released that, that Cranes wrote up and Daily Line wrote up that um, – it just had it was it was the sampling did, was not representative of what the city of Chicago looks like, let alone the electorate of the city of Chicago looks like. Um, and uh, it, it it doesn't it's not even it, it, it I, I took basically nothing away from looking at that. There's really? nothing that told me about where who's up, who's down. Um, I'd say that what I look at right now for this mayor's race it's an abbreviated campaign because it's in february mm -hmm. um which you know whatever uh <laughs> but um what i look for i guess is is organization and in cash and the four that the ad you just named are they have the cash and they have the organization and you're seeing that and and that uh, play out on on yeah. in these ads that it doesn't necessarily make you legitimate but it does make you more competitive. more competitive yeah. that's right yeah. well speaking of ads in one prominent one mayor lightfoot goes after chewy garcia questioning his ties to former illinois house speaker mike madigan let's listen to a little bit of that 
What do we really know about Chewy Garcia? Chewy secretly talked with this crypto crook who stole his customers' life savings, then spent a fortune to re-elect Garcia. Chewy cut deals to help himself with the since-indicted Mike Madigan, even while the disgraced speaker faced a federal corruption investigation. Is this a, a legitimate line of criticism, or is this just politics, Tony? No, I mean, Chewy Garcia talked about, he, he told a reporter that he had met and talked with Sam Bankman-Fried, and, and then his campaign for mayor had to kind of backtrack that and say, no, no, he talked to his brother. Um, and so this is, with with all the headlines about crypto and um, and FTX, you know, I, I think that it's not surprising that that's leaving him susceptible to those kinds of criticisms does they does that take anyone does that knock him down a peg in anyone's book mm. how effective is that uh, um i don't know um yeah. chewy has been in dc voting for a speaker for the last four days he hasn't been able to be in chicago uh since he's a congressman so um uh, that's you know i i, I don't i'd be curious to see if he can even make it back tomorrow for for one of these forums that's happening uh, or if he's going to be stuck in D.C. So yeah. uh, there's there's things like that about Good his point. candidacy. Well, Aaron, political strategist Delmarie Cobb told the Sun-Times that it was, quote, desperate for the mayor to get negative so early. What do you think? Um, I don't I don't know if it's desperate, but this is so this is the mayor's fourth TV ad. And this is the first time that she has gone negative. Um, and, yeah, I don't know if it's early or late. Like, it does feel like, you know, the election is quickly approaching. I mean, but like February. You know, yeah. we've still got a, a a long time before that. Um, I don't know. This was a short kind of ad, but um, you know, also this week we did see see um, other candidates launch their first TV ads. Um, we saw two from Paul Vallis. He kind of focused on uh, violence reduction and, and public safety, and kind of tried to take the current administration to task for what they haven't done. Um, notably, he was standing outside of. My favorite thing is he was standing outside of the, the county Cook County side yeah. of the building yeah. instead of City Hall. But I don't know if that matters uh, to anyone, really. Um, <laughs> Just <laughs> nerds. Then, yeah. And then Brandon Johnson um, came out with his first TV ad, too. It was 15 seconds long and just kind of highlighted where he stands on issues and what he's going to prioritize. So, you know, it's yeah. not surprising that we're seeing negative ads, I don't think, at this point. In other news, A.D. on the mayor's race, Alderman Raymond Lopez, who recently dropped out of the race, mm-hmm. uh, he's thrown his support behind businessman Willie Wilson. Uh, Wilson won 13 of 18 black wards back in 2019. So could backing from a Latino alderman give him uh, a broader appeal, you think? Or how much power or clout does this aldermanic endorsement have these days? I don't think any single aldermanic endorsement is going to be a difference maker for any mayoral candidate, but every little bit kind of helps. Okay. Um, the way that Wilson and Lopez described this was kind of like an attempt to recreate the rainbow coalition that Harold Washington did. I'm surprised we haven't heard more like Harold Washington comparisons. I feel like that is the one mayoral thing that gets repeated every time. Like, mm-hmm. I am the Harold Washington <laughs> in this race. I have um, this racial coalition across the city. Every candidate, I think, is going to have to you can't just win one race in Chicago, one ethnicity, and succeed here. It is going to be about building coalitions. Um, I, the one thing I am going to be looking at in polling, if we get good polls that a representative of the city have landline and cell phone, um, generally aren't internet surveys where people can take it more than once, I am going to be looking at the margins that people can create for themselves to create victory. So 
there's an assumption that Chuy Garcia might win a significant portion of the Latino uh, population. Will he combine that with the north side lakefront where people where voting turnout is the highest? Um, how is the how's the black vote going to break out with so many black candidates? Um, Paul Vallis is our only white candidate. Like there's a lot of marginal thinking that all of these uh, candidates are doing. And I think that's why Wilson made such a big deal out of an aldermanic endorsement that otherwise might not be a big deal. Yeah. Well, this is about as good a time as any to mention that Reset is actually going to be holding three mayoral forums with the candidates on February 7th, 8th and 9th. Uh, These will be in person at colleges and universities around the city. And uh, we are very interested in what Chicago voters between the ages of 18 and 34 specifically, would like to see from the next mayor. So if you would like to take a quick survey to help shape those programs on February 7th, 8th, and 9th, head over to WBEZ.org where we've got a great survey for you that'll be truly helpful to us. All right, uh, Aaron, we should mention that in addition to casting a ballot for mayor, Chicagoans will be voting for aldermen next month. Can you give us the latest there quickly? Um. There's 50 wards, so there's a lot of people running <laughs> for the seat of alderman. Um, most of them are contested races, so most or most of them aren't. Yeah, most of them have more than one candidate. I see. Um, there are there's a significant number of aldermen who are retiring or have left. Um, you know this term. Um, so I think it it. I'm really interested to see how citywide, you know, the city council changes or doesn't change um, after this election. I think there are some really, you know, interesting races to watch. I think people should, you know, and back to the like petition challenge thing, like yeah. people are slowly getting picked off the ballot. So mm-hmm. like the 21st ward, I think it had the highest had, like, number of 86 was, candidates. In yeah. The 21st and ward. now it's down to like 80. So like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know, definitely like make sure you research who your alderman is current, you know, in the old ward map and the new ward map yeah. and, and who's running because that's well, going to affect you. That's, that's a good point. I'm, I'm going to ask you all. Have you checked to see if your ward has changed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, after redistricting one. some like of the wards. Every redistricting different map. I mean, I'm on the north side, which didn't change some that much. Some of them look so different. <laughs> a lot of them look very di- We have a new 34th ward that snuck up from the south side mm-hmm. um, over to the near west side. We have the 36th ward, the teeter-totter ward, which is like eight miles long. Do check Check your address, figure out where you are at the new ward, and um, I'm going to give Block Club a shout out because they've started to do ward by ward kind of profiles mm-hmm. of candidates to get you started. Um, I'm now only now starting to get like oppo research on aldermanic races, and I'm very excited to dig in. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get to the fun stuff, there are a few other stories that we should give updates on. Tony, circling back to Springfield for just a moment, what is the latest on the Safety Act? Uh, the latest is that uh, most of that, I mean, the act was was very large. There are lots of things that were not related to cash bail that, that are in effect. But for now, cash bail still exists in Illinois while this is sorted out in the courts. And um, there's just a, a scheduled release about the status of that. And it doesn't look like anytime soon we're going to get some results There's or some closure on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the next few months, uh, cash bail will continue to exist while the courts figure out whether this is uh, constitutional or not and in the state of Illinois. What does this look like on the ground, AD? So I uh, I was scheduled on the, the Sunday shift and expecting to attend bond court on Sunday, January 1st, the first day of the Safety Act. Great. Uh, and then it was status quo, essentially. So oh. you still had folks um, getting assigned 
debond, which is like a big number in which the defendant has to pay a percentage of that to get out of jail. Um, I-bonds continued. It was still as fast and confusing as ever for someone who does not regularly cover bond court, how quickly things happen. Um, Lots of ghost guns. Uh, Most of the time when folks were being held on D-bond, it was because they had a ghost gun, which is illegal to possess. Um, And it's going to continue that way. And for advocates who were backing the Safety Act, they're like, this is essentially perpetuating a system that is unfair and unjust. And the longer we wait, the worse things are. And Springfield changed this for a reason. And this delay is is unjust. Aaron, you reported this week that CDOT, the Chicago Department of Transportation, put in seven miles of bike lanes last year, but that still didn't meet its goal. What's the story there? Yeah, so this was actually seven, a little over seven miles of curb protected, like concrete curb protected bike lanes. Um, And this is compared to last June, CDOT said it was going to add 25 miles of curb protected bike lanes. And this is like literally a wide curb instead of like a line on the on the pavement or these like plastic sticks that separate cars from bike lanes this is a, a big um, curb it would that screw up your car if you tried it to would go into the bike lane. which which I still have seen a lot of tire marks on like the Logan Square <laughs> the Logan Boulevard yeah. um, curb protections but um, but yeah so it turns out they only added a little over seven miles of curb protection compared to the 25 miles they said they were going to add. Um, and CDOT officials said this was due to a material shortage and a seven-week uh, quarry strike that kind of held up this process. But, um, you know, people have pointed out, like, other projects got done while they were delayed. Um, also, you know, face delays due to this these shortages. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a pretty low number um, compared to the 25 miles that they were supposed to add. And mm. um, I'm interested to see how, if they make up ground um, this year, because those, I mean, I bike and it is nice to have that, that extra curb barrier separating me from, from cars. Well, and I'm seeing this in aldermanic campaigns, especially on um, the north side and the northwest side where there are a lot of bike related car fatalities. It's starting to pop up in aldermanic races where folks are saying, I support curb protections for bicyclists. Uh-oh. We need this to be as safe a city as possible for people on their bikes and pedestrians. So becoming more some, vocal about it. We had some really terrible fatalities, one involving a family um, last summer, I believe, or last, maybe last fall. Less, yeah. In any case, um, it really led to this resurgence of we have to protect these lanes. This can't be a car-centric city. We need yeah. we need ways for people to get around safely that isn't just in a car. So, Aaron, could we be getting more this year? Is, is it likely? We're supposed to. I mean, CDOT, I mean, so the goal was to make their... Aside from the car protected bike lanes, there are bike lanes protected by these plastic delineators, they call them. They're sticks in the ground. Um, and so they're supposed to replace all of those with these concrete curbs by the end of this year. Um, so I think, you know, progress will be made or, you know, we'll get see more. I just don't know how many more curb protected lanes we'll yeah. see. Ad, you have been reporting on an effort to stop the city of Chicago from poaching corporate headquarters from the suburbs, uh, luring them to set up downtown. So what's the story there? How big of a problem has this been for the burbs? It's been it's been pretty big. My old colleague at, at Cranes, uh, Claire Bushy, did a great story a while ago about um, just how many corporate relocations Mayor Rahm Emanuel had under his belt. It was like his big um, one of his favorite types of ribbon cuttings was a corporate relocation. And a lot of the big ones. Uh, came from the suburbs. There was Motorola from Schaumburg, Kraft Heinz from Northfield, McDonald's from Oak Brook. This was back in like 2015, 2016. And this ticked off 
uh, suburban municipalities who liked counting on these jobs. And at one point, all the suburban municipalities kind of got together and were like, we should form an economic development group to prevent this from happening. Um, And instead, what we saw this week was um, the city of Chicago and the collar counties all getting together to say, just kidding, we are now taking a regionalism approach where um, Chicago will no longer try to poach suburban headquarters, and we're all going to work together to attract global businesses to this region because companies really don't care, for the most part, where exactly they're located um, in a region. They just want access to talent. They want access to the stuff they need, whether it's you know highways, trains, talent, um, access to our two national labs. So basically there was a commitment this week that the city, Cook County, and the collar counties were all going to work together under the banner of World Business Chicago, which used to be like the chief um, stealer of suburban HQs, and say, we're all going to try to work together. The chief stealer. The chief stealer. <laughs> um, whether this works um, is going to require a lot of trust. And the same day I reported this story, my colleague Robert Chanick was reporting on what's going to happen to Allstate, who sold their big giant corporate headquarters um, in the suburbs and have kind of been in this interim space in the meantime while they shop for something new and figure out yeah. what the future office looks like. And tucked in that story was a line that Chicago is competing to get that headquarters going for course, of course. Which isn't technically a poach, but it's still like marg- marginally poachy. Yeah, for sure. Well, I promised museums. Tony, what was the last museum you went to in Chicago? Oh, uh, I went to the shed uh, a week ago today. Did you? I did. Did you have fun? I did. Um, did you touch the sturgeon? No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but I, uh, it, it was. I, I watched the penguins for a, a a very long time because I was with a, a young person who didn't want to do anything other than the penguins, and so um, I was down on the basement, just watching the penguins do their thing. <laughs> what about you, Ad? <laughs> I think the last museum I went to was the Art Institute, which I love. Never gets old. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Something new every time. And even if there isn't anything new, you could take something away from something you've looked at yeah. over and over. What about you, Erin? I'm a big fan of the uh, Museum of Mexican Art in Pilsen. Um, I love the art there. It's also a very manageable museum, I feel like. I'm not, I can You're not see everything yeah. and not be overwhelmed <laughs> by like, do I need to see the field museum is you know, like that for me? Very, very old pieces of jewelry or like new modern art. Yeah. No, I, I went to that was the last museum that I went to as well as the, the Mexican Museum. And it's it's great. And and there's also some more good news for all of us because there are quite a few days where local museums are actually going to be free this month. Now our producers have put together that list for us. Nice. Isn't that fantastic? We're gonna hear all of that in a second. But folks, I want you to count how many of these museums you've actually been to in, say, the last five years. All oh, right? During COVID? Yeah. Here we go. The Adler Planetarium. Free for Illinois residents every Wednesday. And always free for military personnel, teachers, and museum in the park and Chicago Park District employees. The Field Museum. Free for Illinois residents January 10th, 11th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 24th, 25th, and 31st. Live in the land of Lincoln? You're in luck. The Art Institute is free for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, starting on the 9th. At the DuSable Black History Museum, Illinoisans enter free on Wednesdays, and military and first responders come on in anytime. On Tuesdays, no fee to visit the Museum of Contemporary Art. The MCA also has free admission for Illinois teachers, visitors with disabilities, and their caretakers, active duty military, police and fire department personnel, and veterans. Looking for a dolphin show? 
or a giant crab? The Shed Aquarium is free to residents from the 12th to the 16th this month, and is free or discounted for a number of other groups. Just check out the website. And finally, there are plenty of museums that are free all the time. The National Museum of Mexican Art in Pilsen. The Garfield Park Conservatory. The National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture in Humboldt Park. The Lincoln Park Conservatory. The Ukrainian Institute of Modern Art in Ukrainian Village. And the Chicago Cultural Center right downtown. All right. I want to compare notes real quick. I've been in Chicago for two years. I'm pretty proud to report I've been to six of those. Six on the list. What about you, AD? You're looking, you're looking, did I beat you? There's no way. Why do you, come on. I'm embarrassed. Girl, what's your number? So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm a creature of habit. Oh my gosh. So I'm a repeat offender. Oh, you just go back to I the just same go ones. Back. I just, I'll look at those penguins. I'll yeah. touch that sturgeon over and over. <laughs> so I've been to Field Art Institute Shed, Garfield Park Conservatory, Lincoln Park Conservatory, Cultural Center is a great place to work. But a bunch of these other, pl- I've never been to Adler. I've been on the front steps. I, I mean, I, I wanted to count that. That would be six and a half. <laughs> no, I'm. I feel uh, reset helps me ashamed. make my rounds. I feel ashamed. Erin, <laughs> what about you? Same. I think it was close to five, but that's like counting the conservatories, which I'm at often. Yeah. Um, Adler Planetarium space kind of freaks me out. Um, so <laughs> I face your fears in 2023, Erin. <laughs> so I should really go. I should take this opportunity to go there. Um, I do remember. What do they have? Like the. Um, the Atwood sphere that you can go in and it's like a the world's oldest uh like planetary you're like in a dome and sounds you're like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> sounds incredible. Never been. Tony? So we're talking about the, like, the last five years. I mean, right now I've mostly been uh at places that involve animals. So my number's very low here of those that just listed. <laughs> I'm thinking that I've been to three in the last year wow. or five years. I crushed but you. I have all. Others, you but I have others that aren't on there. No, no, no. But no. all right, fine. Science and industry wasn't on there. This episode of Reset was produced by Meha Ahmed, Micah Yason, and Dan Tucker. And it was edited by Andrew Merriweather. Catch up on the most important stories from the week every Friday by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, leave us a rating and share us with a friend. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great weekend. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.